want us to open up our Bibles this morning to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. It is good to see everybody here this morning. As Jeff mentioned, I know there are some that are not here. And, and here's what I say. We respect the decision of those that, that needed to stay at home, that decided to stay at home. Uh, we have high-risk groups. We have people with uh, compromised immune systems and different things. And, and we respect their decision not to be here. We love them. We eagerly anticipate being able to all come together again. And without any kind of concern or worry, shake hands and grab hold of each other and uh, pass the offering plate. <laughs> the Baptists have to say that last part, right? Now, we're, we're looking forward to a time when uh, this is passed and we'll be able to look back and see God's faithfulness as we always can and as we always, always do. So um, this message, this sermon that I'm going to share with you this morning is one I had prepared for about three weeks ago. And uh, God directed in other, other ways. So I haven't been able to preach it until today, but it is pretty relevant. Uh, really, anytime you're talking about God, opening the Word of God, reading the Word of God, it's relevant. Amen. It is, it is relevant, and we are living, uh, as many people will say, we're living in some uncertain times right now. Um, if, you, if you put your finger on any year in our, in our history or in our past and picked any particular day, somebody would say that day was, a, those were uncertain times as well. Uh, so we live in uncertain times a good bit of the time, don't we? But here is a book for uncertain times. Uh, in every uncertain situation, here are our answers. Here is our truth. Thank God for this. We're so excited to have this. And we have it in many shapes and forms nowadays. It can also be on here. And hopefully some of it's in here for, for us all. But you know, you think... Not only is it a book for uncertain times, it was, it was a book for uncertain people all through the ages. I mean, as, as Moses led the people out into the wilderness, as David faced Goliath, as, people, as Peter, rather, stood and preached to people at Pentecost, this has been the book for those times. It showed people, through the Word of God, that even though times are uncertain, our God is not. We can be sure about God. Uncertain about the times, but certainly sure about God. But you know, people have questions. We have questions. We learn from a very young age how to ask questions. And we have questions during uncertain times. And again, we point to this for what we need and for our answers. You know, William, I've tried that. It's kind of hard for me. It's kind of hard for me to do that. Uh, keep trying, because every answer that we need, every truth that would benefit us and would be relevant to our situation is right here. It's right here, and you look for it, and I got a verse for you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Uh, that's truth as well. 
So look for your answers. Seek God. Ask those, those hard questions. And you know, as Christians, we should understand that when times are uncertain, that we know that God is in control. And because we know that God is in control, that should dictate our response. Should it not? Because we know that God is in control, we should respond in a certain way. Because we know that God is in control. And it surprises me sometimes how instinctive that is, really. I mean, think about years ago when the plane was getting ready to crash into the Hudson. And Captain uh, Sully very uh, expertly landed that plane in the Hudson River without any casualties. Y'all remember that? Now, they, they interviewed the crew, and they asked one of the flight attendants, well, what were people doing as the plane was going down? And she said, well, they were praying. Like, what do you think they're doing? They're praying. And I'm sure the captain didn't have to get on the intercom system and say, hello, passengers, this is your captain speaking. Um, at this time, we would like to ask you to break off into groups of two or three and pray that God would intervene in this catastrophe. Thank you very much for your cooperation, and thank you for flying U.S. Air. I'm sure he, di- I'm sure he didn't have to do that because it was instinctive. Because you know why? Because we know, this we know, you know, our God is who he says he is. Our hope is in him alone. He makes a way when there seems no way. So when uncertain times come and when disaster strikes and when scary times are all about us, we go to God because we know that he's got the whole world. He's got the whole world. He's got the whole world. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you. Okay, never mind. We'll stop right there. That was really fun. That was good. That was good. So, again, it's, it's amazing how instinctive it is that, that as Christians we know to pray. I hope we've been doing that. I hope that at the first uh, that we heard of this uh, situation that has come up in our culture right now, that we began to pray. But unfortunately, sometimes even as Christians, we forget to do that. And, and sometimes we don't really know what to do. What should we do? I mean, yes, we, we need to trust, and yes, we need to pray. Is that enough? Is, are there some things that, that we can do? Uh, are there some things that we should do? Do we have uh, some responsibility in all of this? And what are those things? You know, it's not always clear. It's not always clear what we should do. And how do we find answers in uncertain times? What do we do? And again, I have to point to this, this book right here. And we're going to talk about a gentleman today that was able to find uh, peace in a difficult situation. He was able to find some calm when things kind of got out of hand and shows us, shows you and me, some very practical things that he did that I think we can do. And we need practical in this day and time. So let's take a look at that. And this, this gentleman's name is Hezekiah. And we read about him in Second Chronicles. And we're going to be in Second Chronicles 32. So if you haven't turned to chapter 32, go ahead and do that. But I want to give you a little bit of background pretty quickly here so we can jump right into reading some Scripture. 
But as you're turning there, let me, let me give you a date. 722 B.C. 722 B.C. That is when Assyria came in and wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel. And then a few years later, 715 B.C., Hezekiah became king of the southern kingdom, which was Judah. He was 25 years old. And here's his background. He grew up in a non-religious family. But he married the, the daughter of a prophet, Zechariah. So he married a preacher's kid, so to speak. And his best friend was Isaiah. So he had some pretty good people around him, didn't he? That, that was good for him. And when he became king, he began, to, he began to help Judah get back into a position that was better than it had been for a long time because they had basically abandoned God. They had begun to worship false idols on the hills. They were using, uh, they were wor- using places of worship for storehouses. And they had stopped listening to God, they had stopped acknowledging God, and they had stopped obeying God. And so Hezekiah began to work to change all that and to put God back into the center of the, the Jewish people's thinking. Go Hezekiah, right? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But then something happened that kind of put a wrench in the gears. There was a king, and he was a bad guy. And he wanted to come in, and he wanted to conquer Judah. And he wanted to take things for himself. So let's read. Let's read in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Let's begin with verse number 1. And after these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, He took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? Also he straightened himself and built up all the wall that was broken and raised it up to the towers and another wall without, and repaired Milo in the city of David, and made darts and shields in abundance. And he set captains of war over the people, and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city, and spake comfortably to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words. Let that sink in right there. The people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. How wonderful to have a leader who goes to God for the words that will comfort the people and allow them to rest. Verse 9, and this did Sennacherib, after this, did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem, but he himself laid siege against Lashish and all his power with him, unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, and unto all Judah that were at Jerusalem, saying, This saith Sennacherib, king of Assyria, 
Whereon do ye trust that ye abide in the siege in Jerusalem? Doth not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Know ye not what I and my fathers have done unto all the people of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands anyways able to deliver their lands out of mine hand? Oh, talking a big talk here he is. Verse 14, who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people out of my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you out of mine hand? Now therefore let not Hezekiah deceive you nor persuade you on this manner, neither yet believe him, for no God of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people out of mine hand and out of the hand of my fathers. How much less shall your God deliver you out of mine hand? And his servants spake yet more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He wrote also letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people out of mine hand, so shall not the uh, God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of mine hand. Then they cried out with a loud voice in the Jews' speech. This is Sennacherib's men. They cried out with a loud voice in the Jews' speech unto the people of Jerusalem that were on the wall to affright them and to trouble them that they might take the city. And they spake against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of man. And for this cause Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos prayed and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel which cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders and captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he was come into the house of his God, they that came forth of his own bowels slew him there with the sword. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all other, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem, and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was magnified in the sight of all nations from thenceforth. So, what a great little story uh, there in, in that chapter of a man who had been working for some time to get things back in order and had worked for quite some time to do so, or maybe around 11 years, and yet still, in trying to do everything that he thought was right, a foe came up against him to, to try to conquer him and tear him down. Now, some of us, if we had lived back in the day, might have said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, God, we don't understand this. I mean, our king is trying to do the right thing. He's, he's, he's reminding us of who you are and that we should be worshiping you, why allow this to happen? Why allow this to take place? We ask those same types of questions in this day and time. You know, some of us would have a problem with things working out the way they did for Hezekiah. Because after all, when we become Christians, everything is peachy keen, right? When they have no problems, no worries, everything's great every day. 
and we, ha- and we don't need to worry about a thing. Well, that last part's right. But we still experience difficulty, and we still experience trouble. And, we, and things are allowed to come up against us because God has something to show us. God has something to do. God is molding us. God is shaping us. God is always at work. God is always at work. And he was at work in this situation as well. And what a mighty way he showed himself at the end of this story. What a mighty way he proved that he was God And even though that king had a lot of fancy things to say and a lot of scary words to throw at the people, look what happened to him in the end. We like to say he got his. He got his just rewards. His own people slew him. But he, just shortly before all that happened, was full of big talk. Nobody else's God could do me in. Nobody else's God could keep me from coming in and taking what I was going to take. What makes you think your God can? Well, it's because our God is God. Amen? God is God. God is good. All the time. God is good. All the time. All right. So let's keep moving. Um, We still have some responsibility in situations that are uncertain. There is certainly a trust that we have to have in God and all the things that God has promised and all the things that God can do. But we also have responsibility as well. What kind of responsibility do we have right now in this day and time? We have a responsibility to wash our hands. We have a responsibility to use hand sanitizer. We have a responsibility that if we are exhibiting symptoms that we stay at home. We have that responsibility. We have responsibilities. We have been given given, uh, advice and directives. And there is a way to serve God and do what God wants us to do and render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. Amen? So we trust God through all of this. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what next week holds holds but my God will still be God then as he is God now and I will trust him through it all no matter what we end up having to do we walk by faith not by fear we walk in faith not in fear let that sink into you let that sink into me let us be reminded of that so yeah I have some responsibilities but thank God all the responsibility is not mine Because God will come through and God will do what only God can do. And what can God do that nobody else can do? He can give me peace. He can give me peace. I think that's peace in sign language. That's what he can do. Aren't you glad that he can do that? Has he ever given you peace? If you're a Christian, please say yes, please say yes, please say yes. He's the only one that can do that. The only one. So, when uncertainty comes, and we realize that, yeah, we do have some responsibility in this, we can still fully and completely trust in God to do all that he said that he would do. And that's exactly what Hezekiah did. Now, Hezekiah didn't just sit back and say, okay, God, do it. I ain't going to do nothing. You do it. 
And in our situations and in our uncertain times, we need to be willing to say, okay, God, I'm trusting you in this 100%, but I am here, and I am present, and I want to do what you want me to do in this. I don't want to shrink back in fear. I don't want to be hostile and arrogant. I want to continue to love my brother and love my sister and love my God with all my heart and soul and strength. And I want to do what you want me to do. And that's where Hezekiah comes in. And let's take a look at his life and a couple of things that he did that you and I can do in every uncertain situation that we face as directed by the Word of God. First thing, this is the first thing that he did. He put his house in order. He put his house in order. Is your house in order? Automatically you're thinking, well, no, I got dirty clothes on the floor. There's some food left out from last night. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. This is some of the stuff that, that, that Hezekiah did. He called his, his, his go-to men. He called them together. And together they decided, we are going to cut off the water supply to this city because if they do come in here and, and, and they, they kind of take things over, we, won't, we want to use thirst to drive them out. We don't want them to come in here and say, hey, we got all we need. we got water coming in. We're set up here. We can stay here. But they, they said, let's cut off the water supply. And then they started doing some repair work, and, and, and they started fix, fixing things that were broken uh, t- to make things stronger and better equipped for battle. And then not only did they do that, they reinforced that. They bolstered what was weak. Just those simple things to get the house in order, to be prepared for whatever came, for whatever happened. Now, let's take a look at those things that they did very quickly. First thing that he did is he blocked off what could have been a potentially bad thing. Water is always good. I think I'll have a drink right now. Hang on. Okay, that was really good. It's wrong of me to do that in front of you because I'm sure some of you are thirsty right now. But it's good illustration. Water is good, right? But in this situation, it could have potentially been bad because it would have given them a reason to stay. It would have fed their desire to stay and to continue to cause problems. It would cause them to linger. It would strengthen their resolve. They wouldn't think twice about leaving because they had everything that they needed right there. So look at that and apply it to your life, and I'll apply it to mine. Because there are some things in my life that can supply strength to my enemy. I might have some things in my life, you might have some things in your life that can supply strength to our enemy so that they can advance on their position against us by using maybe some habits and some attitudes and some patterns of thinking that I shouldn't have, some things that shouldn't be going on in my life. Think about this. If I'm going through a a time of financial uncertainty, then the last thing that I need to do is be living above my means. And spending money that I don't need to be spending, like going and stockpiling toilet paper and hand sanitizer when I need money for other things. And, you know, and the, the enemy can use my living above my means in a way to advance his position against me. 
You know, I might have a financial crisis with no money that I've put away to help me in that situation. And I begin to lose hope and, and b- become afraid because I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. And da, 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 da. So I need to cut that off. I need to cut that supply off. I need to stop spending in ways that I shouldn't be spending. Maybe that's for you this morning. Maybe we've got friends that are trying to get us to go places and do things and think in ways that we know as a Christian we shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be thinking. So we need to cut that off, don't we? Like they cut that water supply off, we need to cut that off. What about spiritually speaking? Well, you know, our busyness keeps us from spending time with God. And, and we've got time for everything, but we don't have time for God. Take this and do with it what you will. We will skip church in a heartbeat, but we will go to work every day this week. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just stating a fact. We will go and do this and have fun and do that, but when church comes, I'm just not up to it this morning. When the opportunity comes on a mission trip or a mission opportunity or a service opportunity uh, in the community, I ain't got time for that. I got to do this and I got to do that. And so we need to learn how to, to cut off some things that maybe we don't need to spend our time doing so that we can have time doing the things that God wants us to do. So he cut off some things that could have been bad. Here's what else he did in trying to get his house in order. He mended things that were broken. He started repairing broken sections of the wall. Uh, that's a hard thing to do. That's, that takes a lot of work, doesn't it? If you ever had to mend a wall or a fence or anything like that, I don't think I ever have. I may have had the opportunity, but I probably said I just don't have time for that. <laughs> that just is hard work, yeah, mending things that are, that are broken. Things that used to be strong, used to be healthy, that's hard work. It's, that's hard work. But we shouldn't be afraid of hard work. I shouldn't be afraid of hard work. None of us should. And sometimes we have things in our lives that used to be healthy, but they're no longer healthy, that we need to work hard to build back up. Like what, William? Well, what about communication in our marriage? Maybe we're not communicating in our marriage like we should. What about communication in our families? Maybe we're not communicating within our families like we should. What about uh, trust in our marriage? What about our health? You know, we've been told you need to watch this and you need to watch that. You need to cut back. And the only thing you're watching is that fork as it goes from your plate to your mouth over and over and over again. And it's hard. It's hard. My doctor told me one time, William, I want you to take care of yourself now so that you won't be blindsided later. You know, you've got something that you need to maintain and take care of. And I'm up and down with that. You know, even now, it's a struggle. I think many of you understand that. But I remember those words. Take care now so you're not blindsided later. And we can take that into consideration with every issue in our lives. Financial. You know, it's wise to put, put away for, for uh, trouble that may come later. We don't do it out of fear. It just makes sense. 
And it's hard work. I want to buy that boat. I want to buy that house. I want to go to Disney World. But instead, why don't I take that money and put it aside for an emergency fund or start putting money in envelopes? And this money is for tires. And this money is for uh, medical expenses. And that's hard work. Who wants to do all that? But when you do that and you build up what's broken and then the uncertain times come later and you're like, boy, I'm glad that I did that because, look, I can pull from that, that tire envelope and I've got money for four new tires. Praise the Lord. Yeah. It's, it's hard work, but there are some things that are broken in our lives that we need to work on fixing and, 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 and making them better than they already are. Hard work, but it's, it's necessary. And then what's the last thing that he did to, to try to get his house in order? He, he reinforced what was weak. He ended up building another wall around what he already had. What a great idea. Hey, it's good to have this wall rebuilt and, and repaired, but hey, let's put a wall around that. That's even better. That's like, hey, I've got a sweater on, but it's freezing outside. I'm going to put my big coat on too, and I'm going to stay warm. That makes sense. It makes good sense, sense to do what he did. And it's not something that he did automatically. If you read and study this out, he had been reinforcing that for years. So it's not something that he did automatically. He knew that all through this time he needed to be reinforcing that and bolstering what was weak. And, you know, there are some things in our lives, this is kind of like the last thing I talked about, but there are some things in our lives that might be okay right now, but we need to work on them a little bit. We need to... We need to bolster them a little bit so that if the enemy tries to attack in that area later on, we'll be ready for it, certainly financially. You know, let's reinforce, let's bolster our finances by trying to save a little bit of money for what's coming later. You know, we're doing really good in our marriage right now, but I'm not going to coast. I'm going to continue to work on improving everything about our marriage because I know that the enemy hates that my wife and myself are getting along and he wants to do something to make that different. He wants to make it, make it, he wants to break us up, basically. And even though things might be good right now, if we're attacked later, if we're not constantly working on it, he might be successful. Could he possibly be successful? Yes, he could. We can talk about it in other areas too. Church is good right now. I'm really enjoying church. But maybe I need to, need to build up relationships with some of my brothers and sisters in Christ because maybe I'll need to lean on them and maybe I'll need them for difficulties in, in the future. You know, bolster up what needs to be reinforced. Reinforced what, reinforce what needs to be strengthened. And that's making sure that you got your house in order. We can, you know, we can practically apply that. I wasn't planning on saying this, but it just kind of makes sense. Uh, do, the, do what we need to do to stay healthy. You know, eat good. Let's take our medication. Um, let's wash our hands. Again, let's use hand sanitizer if you can find it. One thing I saw, and this might be why everybody is buying so much toilet paper, is they wrapped their kids and themselves up with the toilet paper. So maybe that's a barrier against the disease. That's supposed to be a little funny. I don't know. But, you know, make sure make sure your house is in order. Two more things that I want to share with you from this scripture this morning. 
The second one is this, that we need to make sure that our heart is in order. Our heart is in order. The only one who can get our heart exactly where it needs to be is Jesus Christ. He will take that heart of stone, and he will give you a new heart when you trust in him, when you place your faith in him. But there are choices that we can make that can, that can help that along and keep it healthy. I want my heart to be healthy. I want my heart to be strong. And what's usually the emotion that, that comes along when uncertain times hit us? Fear. Fear comes during uncertain times. It is, you know, we, we hear the songs, fear is a liar. Uh, fear is not real. Fear is not a reality. It's just an emotional response to what we think we know. And the more I think about that, the more that kind of makes sense because I don't really know a whole lot about what's going on. Uh, I can read, but who knows if what I'm reading is accurate or not. I mean, I read something that I thought made good sense. And the next thing I know, there's a little uh, transparent banner over that story that says fake news. But it sounded good to me, you know. And then there's like, what am I supposed to believe? You know, I saw an acrostic, fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real, F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. You know, we look to the media, and they have one job. Keep a... (laughs) This is their actual, supposed to be job. (laughs) To, To inform us, right? Keep us informed. Let's know what's going on. Uh, I used a new app the other day uh, to try to find a place that I didn't know where it was. And um, it told me as I pulled off onto the interstate, be careful. There is a uh, stalled car on the side of the road ahead of you. I went, what? How do they know that? And they were right. And I thought that. You know what? I said, praise God. That somebody, I didn't give praise to whoever figured it out. I, I thank God because God's the one that gave him the know-how to, to, to work that out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the news's job to inform us. But they have kind of a shadow mission as well, and that is to sell. And what sells better than fear? Fear really, really sells. And that's exactly what this king tried to do. You know, this king that was coming against Hezekiah and his people, he tried to do the exact same letter thing because he sent a letter to the people inside the walls of Jerusalem. And he was telling them, there is no way, no how that you can come up against me and keep me from taking over your, your house, your place, your town. Because nobody has been able to do it yet, and you won't be able to either. And he was selling fear to those people, selling fear to them. So that they would, when he came, would be too afraid to do anything about it. They're just shaking in their boots and knocking their knees together. And and their teeth are chattering because he has sold them a lie. Because what actually happened, their God did defeat him, right? And he even had people yelling. He had his people yelling over the, the walls in Hebrew. 
saying, oh, we got y'all. Y'all might as well just give it up now. There's nothing you can do to stop our advancement into your territory. Nothing you can do at all. But here's what, here's what Hezekiah had done. You know, he got his military officers together, and he, he assembled the people together, and he gave them some encouragement. And this is the encouragement that he gave them, and this is encouragement to us as well, so it bears repeating. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, had said. That king doing everything he could to discourage the people. Everything he could. And you know what wise people do in a situation like that? When people are trying to instill fear in us, we need to, to limit the influence that they have on us. Limit the influence that they have on us. Don't listen to what's being said. D- determine what, you're going, what you will and what you will not listen to. And stick to what you know, not what you think you know. And there again, we're at the mercy of the media. What do we believe? Well, do a little bit of research on your own um, and pray and say, God, give me some discernment here. You know, I know you don't give me a spirit of fear, so lead me to information, lead me to people, lead me to professionals that know what they're talking about and can give me the facts and give me the truth and help me to stay away from all this other stuff. Let me tell you something. One of the worst things we can do is get on social media and start looking at all the little the little posts that people put on there. I I post I posted some things. I know many of us in here have, but you got to be careful how much of that you look at and how much you listen to. I'll encourage you to look at the church's Facebook page. It's a very positive and informative page to look at. It lets us know what's going on in the church. If you're not on social media and you don't feel like you need to be on it, good for you, stay off, that's fine. If you are, like our Facebook page, and that's another way that you can get some information. And you can always come there and be assured that you're going to see something, hopefully, that's positive and encouraging. But limit the influence of those who all they want to do is instill fear in your heart. Because fear is not of God. Say it with me. Fear is not of God. God is certain. God is sure. God is trustworthy in all situations. So what that tells you, what that tells me, is that there is no better time to live out our faith than when everybody else is afraid. Live out your faith. You've got faith that he has given you. Live it out in this day. Live it out in this time. Live it out in these moments. You're going to falter some, as we all do. But always go back to what you know is right and real and true, and that is the Word of God. And seek, seek out scriptures that will help you to, to learn that you can trust him if you haven't learned that already. And that things are going to be okay. Things are always going to be okay. That's just positive. 
You're just, you're just trying to put a positive spin on a, on a negative situation. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just trying to give you truth. It's going to be okay for every person in here that has trusted Christ for your life and for your eternity. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Let's look at the third thing. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. How long you got to pray? Well, pray without ceasing for one thing. But let's pray until that peace comes. Pray until peace comes. How long, how much time, and when did you start praying about what's going on in the world? Or have you just done a lot of worrying about it? Have you, have you cried out to God? Have you cried out to heaven about what's going on in our world, in our country? Have we taken the time to do that? That's what King Hezekiah and Isaiah did. There at the end of that scripture that we read, they cried out in prayer to heaven about what was going on. You see, he did what he could do. He did what he felt like he needed to do. And then he chose to trust God to do what only God can do, and that is to give peace. And I'll tell you what, God gave peace in that situation in a big way, didn't he? He did it in a big way. William, I've been praying. I have been praying. And I still don't really have any peace. I'm, I'm just, I just don't have any peace. Let me read some scripture to you. I didn't give this to you guys, but just listen as I read this from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will keep, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. That is a promise. That's a promise that we sing, that, you know, when we sing, we're standing on the promises. That's our promise for now. That is a promise for us in this day and time. That is a promise for us right now. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. I, I emphasized two words as I was reading that. The first one is present. We need to reveal not just our request to God, but think about this. We need to reveal the motive behind the request. We need to reveal the request, but also the motive behind that request. See, there needs to be a little bit of wrestling going on maybe in our prayers as we pray our prayers to God when we're, when we're going through uncertain times. And it's a wrestling that goes beyond the request itself to the motives behind that request. Why am I praying this? Why am I praying that? Why am I praying this at all? Why do you want that particular thing to happen. And the reason I think this is important is because a lot of times, and I want you to hear me here, a lot of times when I have prayed, a lot of times when I have prayed, I have found myself trusting more in the answer 
that I was praying for than I was trusting God. Trusting more in the answer that I wanted than I was trusting God. You see the difference there? Trusting more in the new job. Trusting more in the improvement in finances. Trusting more in the the reconciled relationship than I was trusting in God himself, the one that could bring it to pass. Trusting more in the answer. And then I said, guard. I emphasized the word guard. Guard means to stand watch and to watch over. We know what guard means. What does Scripture say that God's going to guard over? It says that He's going to guard over our hearts and our minds. He will guard over our hearts and our minds. That's, that's good to know. There's peace in that right, right there. But again, sometimes I find that I want God to guard my request even more than I want Him to guard my heart and my mind. Because I want something so bad and I'm so trusting in that, that request. Again, more so than I'm even trusting, more so than I'm trusting God. And I have to wrestle with the request that I'm making. I have to wrestle with that until I come to a place, until I come to a place, until I come to this place where I can say, God, this is what I want. This is what I want right here. But not my will but yours be done. Because I trust more in you knowing what needs to be done and your ability to do it than I trust in my knowing what is best. So this is kind of what I want, but I want what you want more than that. And if it's different, then I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. So we got to choose to pray We pray until we get that answer. We pray until things change. But even more importantly, we pray until my faith and your faith is more in God than in the request itself. Am I trusting more in God and His sovereignty? Or am I trusting more in a day when this disease, this virus stuff is behind us? Think about that. What weighs more in your life, in your heart, in your mind? Is it more important that God is guarding over that request that you're asking Him for? Or is it more important that He is guarding over your heart and your mind to bring you peace no matter what the uncertainty it is that you and I are going through? He is capable and He is faithful He is God, only a God like Him. My Maker, my Father, my Savior, my Redeemer, my Restorer, my Rebuilder, my Rewarder. He is faithful, and He is the only one who can bring peace. And I will not experience that peace as fully as I can until I see Him for who He is. He is God. He is creator of all things. He's got the whole world in his hands. And he holds tomorrow as well. 
So what's not to trust? What's not to trust? Do we continue to walk in fear or do we walk in faith? Hear me. We have responsibility even as we walk in faith to use common sense and do the right things and love one another. Amen? But I will walk in faith knowing that even if things, listen, even if that request that I have been trusted in more than God, even if that request never gets answered or comes to pass the way that I want it to, I still trust God. Can we go there? Can we be there? Can that be our existence? So that when we communicate with people who are afraid, who are unbelievers or who are believers that are afraid, can we communicate with them in such a way that they see that our faith is in God and that could be something they long for as well? Hezekiah got the men together and they talked and they said, be strong and courageous. Basically saying, there's no God like our God. There's no God that can do what our God can do. He's got the whole world in his hands. And then there at the end, he got old Isaiah. And they called out to heaven. They cried out to heaven and they prayed. Now what our president has done as he has called on today as a national day of prayer. So we're going to finish today's service with prayer. And if we have prayed already about what's going on in our country and in our, our nation, in our world, and even in our community, then I want you to just kind of hook back up to that conversation that you've been having with God and continue that conversation. But if you realize that you have yet to cry out to God about what's going on, let's do that this morning. And we want to pray for a cure for this mess. We want to pray that through this experience that God is honored and glorified, that people come to know the, the peace that he can give and that they can trust him. We want to pray that, that there is a minimum of people to contract this disease. We want, we want a stop put to it. That's what we want. Amen? We want it done. We know who can do it. And as we pray, we also pray, God, this is what I want. This is, this is what I feel. This is what I think. Uh, with all my heart, I long for this. But I'm okay, Lord, with whatever you want. And you know what that demonstrates? That demonstrates faith. And faith pleases God. And I want to please the one who gave his all for me. Who gave his son for me. So that when I do go through uncertain times, I know that everything's going to be okay. Because in the end, I will be with him because of his son and what his son for me to provide a way for me to be with him so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and I want to take just a few moments to, to for us all just to be silent and I just want you to take some time and I want you to pray to God we're going to pray to God for our country for our community 
for our church, for our president, for those that are responsible for the research that will find a cure and ways to treat this. And let's pray, too, that through this experience that many will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I want you to be bold in your prayer, and I want you to ask for these things and anything else that is on your heart to ask God for. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whine just a little bit here. I'm going to whine just a little. Is that okay? Please pray. Don't use this as a time to just clear your mind and enjoy the silence. I want you to call out to God here this morning. From where you're sitting, I want you to call out to God. Cry out to heaven. And let's pray. As we have been asked to do and as churches all over this country are doing this morning whether they have met together in their sanctuaries or whether they're at home watching through streaming, let's pray. prayers this morning uh, Father I need you um, I can't I can't even be up here <clears throat> without you so I, I realize I also need you in all situations in my life I, I don't want to imagine an existence without you so I'm, I'm grateful uh, that in your word you promised to stick with me through the thick and thin and and never to desert me or leave me on my own. So thank you for your presence and thank you for listening to our prayers this morning. And Father, just to be as plain as, as I know how to be, and I'm praying for an end uh, to this virus and its spread. It would be a great, great relief to go home and turn on the news and hear uh, that it has been stopped somehow, <laughs> uh, miraculously, uh, and everything can kind of go back to the way it was, maybe with the exception that we learn to remember our God. We read about Hezekiah this morning and how he tried to make sure that God was at the center of thinking for the Jewish people. And I pray that, that through these experiences that we're going through now, that we are reminded that you are the center of our existence. You are the reason for our existence. You sustain our existence, and you will perpetuate our existence uh, throughout eternity. So with all of that under your control, uh, it makes sense for us to trust you. And we do, uh, we do trust you implicitly this morning. We trust you for the next step that we'll take, for the next breath that we will breathe. We trust you for taking care of our needs. 
for taking care of your church, for taking care of your church's needs. And this morning we have finished up the service by praying to you about this uncertain and sometimes scary situation. But we are reminded too that we walk by faith, not by fear. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so we want to come to a point where, again, yes, we want an end to this. We want an end to this soon. We want people who are sick to be healed. We want those that, that are working on a cure and working on treatments uh, to, to know what they're doing and, and to be successful at it. Um, we want people to love each other through this, uh, not to be judgmental, not to be hateful, not to be uncaring, um, not to be selfish even and trying to stockpile things that people who are in a, a, a worse situation physically are not able to get their hands on. Let us prayerfully consider everything that we do and every choice that we make uh, to bring honor and glory to you. We thank you that we have been able to meet together this morning. We look forward to tonight and Wednesday night as well. We pray for those who made a decision not to come this morning. And we love them. And we, we miss them. And we are looking forward to when we can all worship together. Again, without the concerns of this virus. Help us to remember them in prayer. And if we feel led of God to reach out to them, if there's anything they need, that we miss them, that we love them that we support them as a brother and sister in Christ. Just may all that we do be done to your glory and for your honor. Now we are trusting you individually. We're trusting you collectively as a church. We have made our desires known. We've made our requests known. But our faith and our trust is not in those requests but our faith and our trust is in you and you alone. So we, so we pray, not our will, but yours be done. There is something humbling and there is also something very powerful to be able to pray the same words as our Savior, your Son, prayed. Not my will, but yours be done. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.